Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, and as they say, your team every day, the Locked On Browns podcast. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, joining me here. We'll give you your weekend wrap um, as far as the NFL playoff picture. There are now four, uh, one and two on both sides of the slate. So it will be the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. It will be the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, definitely be interesting matchups next Sunday. Uh, yeah, we'll break down the games here, but obviously there are is some Browns business to get to, which we will do that. Um, guys, iTunes rating reviews always appreciated, always needed. Please keep plugging those; means a ton to the show's growth, and I appreciate it. Uh, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, the Locked On NFL net ca- uh, network accounts, guys, follow those. Anything you need, any team, any draft affiliation. Oh, breaking news. Okay, head Pete. What do you got now? Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin's the offensive coordinator. It is all coming together here, guys, and it's coming together here quickly. Um, and of course, ask sorry, ask Alexa to go ahead and play Lockdown Browns for you. So I, I guess we'll, we'll start here as we get a, a little more uh, information here. You know, uh, you know, on the Munkin hire or potential hires. Uh, Pete digs for that. Uh, Stump Mitchell. Um, obviously, me guys. Uh, you know, the Jet background here in New Jersey. Um, Stump Mitchell, and now for me, guys, I remember Stump Mitchell, the player, well. Uh, never had the beard back in those days. But it's, a, it's an impressive beard. Um, uh, good thing is, Stump Mitchell is, he, he, he preaches improving your receiving skills as a running back. Obviously, with Nick Chubb, more and more, you know, for him to be the utter and complete back we think he can be, it's a good guy for Nick to work with in that. Uh, we don't think Nick needs much worse work anywhere else. But, I mean, if he could get himself to where he could be a 40-reception, 50-reception guy, if that's so what the Browns were intending, that would just be all the more better. Stump Mitchell's a guy who can guide him with that. He's a big work ethic guy. Look, Nick's already got that. Um, Duke, all these guys seem to be consummate pros. So, uh, with that, Stump Mitchell, a solid hire here, Pete. Um, Pete, it's coming together fast and furious right about now. Right. I mean, look, this is part of the whole job interview is, you know, and part of the reason, you, you know, you had some hesitation with some candidates and the stuff we don't know about is is part of the interview process is pitching your staff. And can you get these guys? Can you can you deliver? You know, does the staff look good? And, and here we are, uh, you know, for all the you know, some people aren't sure about. Freddie Kitchens, some people are more excited than others, but it was always still a question of what kind of staff he could put together. And right now, um, at least in terms of reputation, um, they're, they're, they're bringing some heavy hitters. I mean, Steve Wilkes, uh, big deal. And then now on the offensive side of the ball, they bring in Stump Mitchell, who Todd Kitchens knows from his time in Arizona, uh, James Camp Campin, the offensive line coach in Green Bay. And I assume that that is more of a, at least Dorsey connecting the two than than. Uh, well, everybody, everybody in the front office pretty much knows Campman. I mean, he was there for 15 years at Green Bay, so. Yeah, so I imagine there was some, you know, and that's not bad. That wasn't um, a hard, that wasn't a hard hire. Hey James, right. you interested? I mean, we all know each other. We know how each other works. You interested? I mean, I know it's weird after 15 years you're looking for a new gig, but here, this is what we got going on. So probably not a difficult hire. But, but again, we've talked about this. I think as much as Freddie Kitchens is, you know, the, the guy making this happen, the roster is what's getting these guys the jobs. Uh, the, the, it's, the Browns are a really attractive destination. So now you're, you're talking about Todd Munkin, who's really highly regarded. And if you listen to 
What did he have? Uh, two, I think he had two head coaching interviews. So I mean, we're not talking. I mean, you know, now you're getting a former head coach and your defensive coordinator, a guy who interviewed for two head coaching positions, and now he's your offensive coordinator. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you listen to the Bronze Note podcast, and Brendan Leister was a guest, he 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 uh, does some work for PFF now. Um, he was talking about how much he loved Munkin because he was one of the least predictable uh, coordinators in terms of. Uh, you know, tendencies on various downs. He seemed to be heavy, heavy into data, uh, you know, obviously guided one of the best passing offenses in the league. Um, and having that type of guy in the headset for uh, Freddie Kitchens could be really valuable for a guy who's already had a lot of success. And hopefully this just adds to it and, and, and helps Baker Mayfield take another step forward. And, and that's, you know that's where this could really take a nice big jump into next season. Or you now you have an off season of Freddie Kitchens and an off season of Todd Munkin, and now you get to really see what these guys will do in terms of putting their their own sort of uh, niche, their their sort of spin on this offense and what they really want to do. And now they're adding in all these assistants that that fit. They kept the guys uh, like Adam Henry, uh, which seems like a, a, a very valuable keep on that hand but i mean so far uh they haven't announced the defensive staff yet but again on paper this looks pretty damn good right now well i mean first thing you're gonna do is i mean maybe you're gonna look at carolina um you know you're always going to look kansas city you're always going to look something green bay with what's going on here but look it, it's coming together and it's coming to well and look munkin and you know this is one and pete you know coined the phrase about two weeks ago you know baker's the goose that lo- you know lays the golden eggs so if Munkin, you did not get a head coaching job this cycle, okay, so where do you want to go put yourself? You go put yourself with Baker Mayfield, and that offense goes 16 games of being a top 10 offense. That that offense wins a playoff game next year. Guess what? You've got your head coaching gig most likely. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's connecting the dots, and it's simply, you were close. You were real close. You do this now. You know, and now this was you know getting head coaching hires. Look, I mean, yeah, they 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 scored a ton of points, and like uh, you know Pete mentioned with Brandon Leister, you know, uh, Jay, uh, Steve, uh, I'm sorry, Jake Burns, but not Jake Burns, Ryan, Ryan Burns. Burns. I'm mixing the up my Burns now. tones of Ryan Burns. Absolutely, and guys, there's no guys voice wise on a podcast. Ryan Burns smokes everybody, so check out the Browns up. I do appreciate the guys over there, but the tendencies of you know you know get, you know basically zigging when they think you're going to be zagging, things of that nature. You add that to this mix now, just as the confidence grows. And look, and this is the one thing I keep telling you guys, everybody. Oh, and, and I got a bunch of them today. Look at Michael Thomas play. If you had that number one wide receiver, he's playing with a quarterback over forty years old. Guys, this we only saw. One year, not even 16 starts, 13 starts of what Baker in this offense could be. Just the thoughts and depth of what could, what this could be going further. Yes, this could be Saints-like. It could be Rams-like. Be excited, guys. And obviously, if you weren't confident or you had your doubts, you're getting solid guys coming in here just to want to work and be a part of this, and not as the head coach, as the assistant coach of it. You know, Campman with a 15-year run, obviously, in Green Bay. You know, whether it was Aaron Rodgers and this, that, uh, you know, associate head coach, uh, run game coordinator out there. So, you know, obviously a, you know, a good friend with Stump Mitchell here for Nick Chubb. You bring in Munkin, you're doing a little bit more for Baker Mayfield. Uh, it's it's coming together quickly. I love the, the, the shape and the era that it's headed to because, you know, everybody's got faith in Freddie. And we were kind of getting poked fun of here 
when Freddie you know, Kitchens was handed this job of, oh, well, that's, you know, this is the Browns, and you know, oh, they saw something good, and now they fell in love with it. Well, what are you going to do now when you got NFL people who were looking at it from afar and fell in love with it? Todd, bon- Todd Munkin's team beat Cleveland the game they played this year. But you know he had his eyes on number six, and now that opportunity's up, and yeah, I'd really like to go work with that. Yeah, I mean, Todd Munkin, you mentioned, had a couple head coaching interviews. Uh, allegedly was impressive in those. You know, it's a great get for the Browns, but, you know, and hopefully it pays off. But I wouldn't expect him to be staying here too long. And that's, you know, that's so, not a bad situation. That's I mean, something that's, we're going to get used to. Yeah, that, that if that's the worst problem the Browns have is that they're 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 rolling through good assistant coaches because guys are getting hired – you know, you'll you'll have to learn to live with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, so good. We'll see we'll see how it goes. But uh, you know, and it's nice that they got a, a young offensive line coach, and by NFL standards, fifty four is a spring chicken. Um, so that that'll be interesting. But the other thing that seems to be helpful is if you believe the report, and I'm not sure I buy this entirely that that there were players that were unhappy about various assistants leaving they do seem to be bringing in some guys with some connections to guys on the roster obviously jc treader uh quite familiar with with uh camping uh and you know you you have a little bit of that connection where it can ease the uh pain i suppose of that loss but but i i expect whatever Hurt feelings come with that are 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 going to be quickly over with when they get on the field and, and see what these guys really have to to bring to the table and they may end up being far happier for it. So so far so good. Well, I mean, yeah, seven, eight, and one is fantastic. But I mean, you know, you're bringing in people here and you know the expect and these guys are here with serious expectations of what they need to do and you know from where they've come from. You know, these guys, you know, obviously Wilkes has you know had playoff runs in Carolina. Um, you know, obviously. Campman, a part of Green Bay for all those years, you know, long runs, Super Bowl runs. This is these guys know what the expectation is and what's asked them in the gig. So I mean, you just can't be happier that I mean. And the other thing is, it seems like the Browns are casting after the big fish and getting them, which is I mean, guys, it's just it just speaks volumes about what's gone on here for years and how within a calendar year now, between a good roster shakeup, showing some success. And obviously, more assets to be acquired. What the work that's been done by the, by these young players, by the guys who are still around here, and this 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 party is just going to continue to go on. Guys, we are brought here to uh, brought here tonight by uh, I'm sorry by mybookie.com. Um, guys, I will always say whoever you bet your money with is just as important as who you're betting your money on. So mybookie.com. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online. Their mobile site uh, simple, clean, easy to use. I would only recommend a service to me that has been uh, to you guys that has been good to me in the past. The bets I do make, I will use through mybookie.com. They have in-game live betting, over/unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarded player perks in the business. MyBookie is currently slammed with you know membership this time of year. People like to bet the playoffs. It's a smaller slate. Normally, you get your parties and they're a bigger atmosphere. People like to have a little something on the, t- you know, something on the line for each of these games. So if you create a new account, do it after 7 p.m. Eastern time. Get a free twenty-five dollars. Use the promo code capital L capital O locked on twenty-five. Get that free twenty-five dollars. Visit MyBookie online today. M Y B O O K I E dot com. MyBookie uh, MyBookie dot com. You play, you win. You get paid. Now, Pete, like I said, I mean, we had a weekend of action here. Um, 
somebody went three and one. Somebody went two and two. So I'll flex my muscles here after getting my butt creamed around the park last week. Um, and I guess we'll start in order like we do. Uh, Chiefs Colts. And this was the one thing I was having a little issue with. Um, it seemed you know, the more you could see closer and closer to the start of the game, the weather was there. It wasn't going to be a huge factor, but everybody wanted to say, oh, I don't like this for Kansas City. I don't like this for Kansas City. But meanwhile, the Colts were the team that played 10 dome games this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh... I, I basically couldn't have gotten that game more wrong if I tried. Everything I said was going to happen went the exact opposite way. Um, it happens. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, I thought the Colts defense would do something, and I didn't think the Chiefs defense would, and the Chiefs came out looking like Neil Smith and Derek Thomas were out there again, just dominating, and uh, the Colts just could not get anything going with any consistency. Uh and it reminded me of Peyton Manning's Super Bowl run with the Colts where the defense was god-awful for the regular season and managed to be just good enough in the playoffs to, to get them to the Super Bowl. And if, if the Chiefs can continue playing to that level uh, and they're at home, uh, that could be you know, the story we see here. Mahomes was fantastic, did not look remotely shaken by the idea that it was this type of stage. And, and you know, you, you saw the Colts go from absolute dominant force against the Houston Texans to completely overpowered team against the Chiefs. And uh, the pattern we saw this, uh, this week uh, was teams that were on a bye came out firing for the most part, and, and the teams that had to play uh, were at a sizable disadvantage. Yeah, it, it, that's definitely one thing. Um, and even if you, if you, yeah, I mean, you th- you got to throw in, you know, the, the bl- uh, block punt for the touchdown. Otherwise, this swing would have been nothing. I mean, it literally would have been, you know, a, a boat race from beginning to end. Um, you know, one thing I do want to point out, Damian Williams. Now, here's a guy. Basically, career was at a crossroads. Obviously, the whole Kareem Hunt incident. And now here's a guy, and he's become a vital part. And you know, look, I, I will say the fresh legs thing. You know, obviously he didn't get you know play much up until this point, but he's he's kind of taken to this Chiefs offense in this role as kind of like a fish to water here. Yeah, um, it's yeah, just just everything <laughs> about that game just was just awful. I, I mean, look, there's just nothing you can say. The, about the Chiefs that didn't look good. I mean, the biggest thing, I, you know, I, I expect uh, their talented defensive tackle to look like a stud. What surprised me was how incapable the Colts' offensive line was in protecting. Uh, and and you know, you saw you, you saw uh, what's his face, uh, Justin Houston, look like Justin Houston for the first time in what feels like forever, and maybe the rest. Really helped him quite a bit. D Ford uh, obviously had had a couple big plays, but uh, that front four really covered up a lot of issues. And you know the the DBs. I mean, you had guys like Traverius Ward make some plays. I, I mean, credit where it's due. And and this seems to be a little bit of a nice little storyline uh, with. Uh, unheralded DBs making big plays in the playoffs because that 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 continued throughout the weekend. Yeah, I mean, definitely a fun weekend. But I mean, look, Kansas City. I mean, it was you know pretty much from the beginning to the to the offset. Um, and you know whether or not Mahomes was going to have any playoff jitters. Uh, he didn't play his cleanest game. Um, you know the weather may have had something to do with that as well. Look, I mean, it affects both sides. At, you know, at, at some point as well. 
But, you know, look, you've got your one win. You've got yourself 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. And, I mean, you are basically a team right now that everybody wants to watch play offensively. So it's going to be fun as that goes on. Um, you know, the Colts, look, it was a great run. I mean, here was a team, what, it was 1-5, basically left dead and buried for the road with a brand-new head coach, ready the ship. Good, great stories like Eric Ebron, Andrew Luck getting himself back into the NFL and playing the way we were all, you know, we all knew he was. But look, a guy's out that much time with injuries and they're arm-related and shoulder-related. You're nervous he's ever going to become that player again. That's that's canceled. That's taken care of. You've got a a young offensive line that's pretty good. Look, they had a rough night in, in Kansas City Saturday night, but you know the the, the you know, it's it's a bright bright future for the Indianapolis Colts. And the other thing is when you talk about the Colts is there is a boatload of cap space. There is you know uh, you know you have you still have obviously you know draft picks to make get a couple more players for that defense. You know the Colts look. This isn't just a, a one stop back in the pool. Colts are going to be here next January. They're going to be one of these teams. But, you know, Kansas City solidifying themselves and looking more and more like they're des- deserving of that number one seed. Uh, we'll shift it up here now. You know, well, kick it real out. quick. Go ahead. Uh, the Colts, I believe, are scheduled to have $110 million in cap uh, room for next year. And they are one of the reasons I think people sort of need to slow their role in assuming the Browns will go and get guys. Like, for example, if D Ford were to get out, in free agency, I could see the Colts spending a mint to get him in there because they don't really have any. They don't have of, a year or two. They don't have a year or two where they have to extend anybody. You know, they have a longer window than the Browns do before you know the cap money dries up quickly. Yeah, they don't have any, like they don't have any contracts that are bad. That's the other thing. But I mean, the only contract they have really is Andrew Luck. So they could. Let's put it this way: the, they, the the Browns could be interested in you know players A, B, and C, and the Colts if they want to, and and, and obviously uh, Dorsey and Ballard know each other. Uh, they they could basically say, oh yeah, well we're gonna you know we can outbid you on all three of them. So that's the one thing to keep in mind is is the Colts are built for a lot of success in the future, but they also could be a pain in the Browns' ass coming up here shortly. And I'll tell you right now, guys, for me, uh, look, you know, I love Marlon Mack. You know, I loved him coming out. Um, if you can add Le'Veon Bell to that, it, you know, shit gets a little crazy with Indianapolis. Uh, we head on out uh, L.A. for the, the Saturday night game. And, and you know, hey, LeBron lives in L.A., finds a way to show up, and finds his way into the L.A. locker room. Whatever it is, guys, with that as far. Um, but, uh, you know, the Rams, uh, I think the most impressive thing is, you know, here's a team that we've seen, you know, light up the scoreboards, very similar to Kansas City. And what did they do? Uh, control the game, and they controlled it with Todd Gurley, uh, C.J. Anderson. Uh, it was cute of uh, you know uh, Joe Buck calling him 220. I think it's been a long time since C.J. Anderson seen 220 pounds. But I mean, basically controlled the game that way. And the other thing you want to do is, if you're playing the Dallas Cowboys, is make Dak, Dak Prescott beat you. I, I just don't think he's capable of it, and he might be the weak link there. Right. So this game was interesting because you know the. The Rams came out sort of sluggishly initially, and the Cowboys had that great drive where they methodically go right down the field and score a touchdown, and everybody's sitting there going, wait a minute. Unfortunately, that was basically the end of the Cowboys as the Rams took control from that point. Uh, the Rams do have weaknesses. I, I it's, Jared Goff still is terrified of pressure. Oh, uh, and especially if it comes up the middle. If it comes yes. up the middle, it's over. Because, I mean, even if he gets the ball off, they sail high. So, yeah, there, there, there are some definite questions with the Rams, but 
uh, for all the things that work in the Cowboys' favor, Dak Prescott, I, I'm always, I always feel like he's in the Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton category of quarterbacks, and Matt Ryan sort of the, the the ceiling of that group, and Dalton I think is close to the basement. They are, <laughs> they are, you know, they are products of their environment. Uh, Dak Prescott is great when the Cowboys are loaded and he's got fantastic protection and Zeke Elliott is rolling and he's got options to throw the ball. Dak Prescott struggles when he gets pressured and they don't have the weapons. And, and you saw that and you look at basically pre Amari Cooper and post Amari Cooper. And that's a good indication of just what that is. Now, granted, I, and, and as somebody, I, I still stand by the fact that I'm glad the Browns did not trade for Amari Cooper, but he certainly outperformed my expectations and, and really did some impressive things. He looked great. Uh, my big problem with the Cowboys is I think they are going to have a difficult time staying as good as they were right at the end of this year because they have to re-sign Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, they've got a couple other issues to deal with on the roster. They have to make a very big decision on Dak, which I think they're going to ultimately extend him. Um, they appear to be likely to keep Jason Garrett around for a, a substantial length of time, which I don't think is a great move. Um and then they, they are really limited on what they can do because they obviously don't have the first-round pick. They're about to have to pay Amari Cooper. So the Cowboys, I think, are going to have trouble staying where they are, which is a good football team. The fear is, I think, teams like the Bears uh, and, and a couple of those NFC West teams like the, the Seahawks and, and 49ers and some of those teams have the potential, at least in my opinion, to, if they have a great offseason – potentially jump the Cowboys and sort of leave them in the dust um, where the Cowboys are going to be that team that sort of may get in the playoffs, but are going to be an easy out for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And the problem I'm going to see with Dallas is, is you're about to drop a boatload of money into uh, our, you know, a Monty Cooper. You're going to drop a boatload of money appears to Dak Prescott. Obviously they're going to pay up Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, that's going to be great. But like you said, if you're not going to stop anybody and you're going to get into games where everybody's got more on defense, it, it, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting for Dallas the way it works and you know whether this could be a long-term sustainable thing. And because of the fact that neither one of us have much faith in Dak Prescott, you know, is is that somewhere they're going to be looking? Uh, you know, it, it, it you, I mean, Jerry Jones can say Dak's his guy all he wants, but I mean, when you look around at some of these other quarterbacks and what they're doing number-wise and completion percentage and, you know, depths per target and all of that stuff. I mean, it's going to be an issue when you're looking at your guy and saying, man, I think we got everything else pretty much in place that we'd like. But quarterback is going to be an issue there, and it's something that they're going to have to seriously, seriously address before they hand this kid $80, $90 million and tie up a lot of space and a lot lot of cap space and roster control due to the fact that they have more faith in Dak Dak Prescott than appears anybody in the NFL does. Yeah, I, I, that's that's the question. I mean, the entire Dallas Cowboys franchise revolves around the question of Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott, and they are going to go as those two two things go. And Jason Garrett, a man surviving for a long, long time. Guys, he's, he's he's Hugh Jackson, man. He is Hugh Jackson. Well, I'll give him credit. At least he got to a playoff game and won it, though. 
Um, locked on Cavaliers. Chris Manning, guys, does a fantastic job over there. Uh, obviously, the Cavaliers product right now is not what you Cavalier fans are used to. Any Cleveland fans used to or what you're hoping for. But Chris Manning's doing a great job guiding you through it. Um, you know, hopefully a, a big offseason for, you know, an influx of, you know, uh, you know, improving the talent. You know, a head coach to be hired, things of that nature. But Chris Manning, locked on Cavaliers, guys. He's putting it, uh, he's working his tail off, giving you uh, great coverage, of which sadly is not a great product right now. All right, we'll start with the first one here today, Pete. And now this one, this blew me out of the water. Um, and look, every time I do this, it bites me in the ass. Every time I start to question Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, the New England Patriots, they just come out and find a way to kick somebody in the teeth. The Chargers tried to go. It was interesting because look, the the game plan last week, and I put out the tweet today. It was the best of Gus. It was the worst of Gus. The game plan last week was fantastic. This week, uh, New England came out a lot of two tight ends. A lot of two, you know, two running backs, two running backs, two tight end sets, twenty-one personnel, twenty-two personnel, and when you're playing safeties, traditional safeties at the linebacker position, New England was just running through them like hot butter. And I, you know, Rob Gronkowski, whatever the talk is of, you know, is his body behind the blocking? Blocking's not an issue. I mean, he was out there today and looked like a, I mean, looked like a Hall of Famer left tackle, and he was getting from one block to the next block. And, I mean, L.A. just didn't have a shot. I mean, from beginning to end, it was, I mean, it was over quickly. I mean, it was 7-7. But after that, New England stuck to their game plan. It's almost seemed like, you know, L.A. kind of, you know, had that one play there, you know, to uh, the one play early. But after that, it was, I mean, it was over. It was over quick. Right. So, uh, again, the, the, the week off benefited the Patriots a ton. Uh, but the part of the reason... I felt like the Chargers had a good shot was because of how much, how well they controlled the line of scrimmage against the Ravens. And that completely disappeared in a week. They went from dominating up front against the Baltimore Ravens to, you know, plugging plays behind the line of scrimmage, flustering uh, Lamar Jackson, getting hits on guys playing physical football to getting driven off the ball and completely washed out. Uh, Sonny Michelle looked fantastic. Uh, he he had you know this is this is why they picked him. This was that game where you could go. This is why you pick Sonny Michelle. Uh, and I didn't expect it to be like that. I thought Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram were going to do better than they did. Uh, and they and they got shoved around. And 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 on top of that, when the Patriots weren't running the ball, the Chargers just looked confused in their pass coverages even even as small as they were they couldn't keep up and the Patriots just gashed them and then the other side of the ball you know the Patriots just struggled to find a pass rush all season and were constantly in Phillip Rivers grill the entire game uh, specifically at a right tackle couldn't block anything uh, but Phillip Rivers took a lot of hits faced a lot of pressure had a lot of plays where he just threw passes to get out of plays uh, and they could not get anything going um, and the guy you've been harping on is somebody to a buyer beware, Tyrell Williams. Um, he, he had some garbage time receptions, but overall, another game where you're sitting there going, you're going to pay $10 million for this? Uh, he just didn't do anything. And, and really, that was the case for everybody who's not Keenan Allen uh, uh, for, the, for the Chargers. And, and there were times when it looked like the Chargers might get back in the game and, you know, with that blown coverage touchdown to Keenan Allen. But uh, the, the Patriots kept the Chargers flustered, kept Phillip Rivers in particular flustered, who just was a ton of hits, just 
out of his head. Well, he was that too, but he was just infuriated the whole game. And I, I don't know if that played a role or not. I tend to doubt it did. But if you're just looking at sort of the body language of the game, um, there was a – I think there was a sense of Philip Rivers knew how big of an opportunity this game was and he was furious that this was going to happen again because he knew, A, he's probably never going to have this chance again, and B, they're going to be sitting there writing about, and not unfairly, that the Patriots basically owned this guy and that he could never you know, get his team to, to, to where they, they were supposed to go for how good he's been. He's an obvious Hall of Famer and all this stuff, and they had a great team and all these things, and, and they couldn't get it done. But my biggest takeaway of all was Bill Belichick was substantially better. And, and Josh McDaniels, you know, I, I always think that uh, Patriots assistants look great because they coach with the Belichick net. Uh, and if, if they're going to fall, he's going to catch him where that doesn't happen when they're elsewhere. But both sides of the ball, uh, the Chargers just looked out schemed, out and had no answers. Yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, it, by you know, for, we did the pregame shows, and we both felt that this was going to be the you know closely tested, you know, closest tested contest of the weekend. It ended up being anything from that. And look, you know, a lot of you know garbage time. And this game was in garbage time, probably. I mean, this game is a garbage time at halftime. Uh, New, New England, you know, if they felt like really turning it back on, they easily could have. Um, you know, James White and in combination of Sony Michelle, you know, two running backs with uh, you know almost over forty touches. Over 200 yards combined, uh, ridiculous effort from both of them. And like I mentioned, Gronkowski, Gronkowski was out there you know, blocking like a a Hall of Fame left tackle. Ridiculous effort on his part. And look, and this is what happens: you give Bill Belichick two weeks, this is what you got. And now it's going to be interesting because look, I mean, you're going to have a nice rematch here between Kansas City and New England. It was one of the better games of the regular season, and they did mention in the broadcast it lost a little bit of the luster uh, due to the Monday nighter between the Chargers and the Chiefs. But this uh, Chiefs-Patriots game, this is I, I'm really looking forward to this, uh, and this will be the later game next Sunday. Uh, we'll shift it on down here now. Philly, uh, New Orleans. Uh, now it was you know, it was interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Philly started soon, and guys, I was messaging Pete, and I'm going, "What in the hell are the Eagles going to do at quarterback?" Uh, I mean, you, you can't keep both of these guys because you're going to hurt your team overall by not having guys other places. But you know, Philly went down there and you know hung, obviously, you know, well into you know late into the third quarter. Um, maybe just didn't have enough, obviously, and a great job by Philly. I mean, they went through a lot here. You know, had a nice run to get back into the playoffs to try to defend their title. Uh, Nick Foles it started, you know, obviously with the turnover early. They were able to get on the board early, um, but it just had that feel that it was only a matter of time before Drew Brees and the boys were going to get it right and somehow walk out with a W. I felt like the game was over when Fletcher Cox went down. Well, um, and Joe Theismann's ridiculous, terrible, worst tweet of all time. Like he's 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 not good on uh, phrasing. Uh, but look, it's it just it, to me. The, I thought Philadelphia was in control. Uh, they had everything going. Their pass rush was absolutely killing uh, New Orleans early. Taron Armstead got just beat like a dog on the one pass rush that, that got the fumble. Um, Brandon Graham. Yep. Yeah, Brandon Graham. They had uh, Michael Bennett going. They had all these things happening. And then Fletcher Cox goes down, and the whole game changed. And and th- this is a this is, and that wasn't even the first major injury. Uh, Sheldon Rankins going down for the Saints felt huge, and then the Eagles turned around, and uh, Brandon Brooks goes down, 
and that felt huge. But nothing was bigger than Fletcher Cox just because it felt to me, and we talked about this pregame, the one thing I felt like I got right this week is that uh, Fletcher Cox had to have a monster game to keep this one, you know, the Eagles in this. And up to that point, he was, and, and it felt like Philadelphia could take control. He goes down, Nick Foles throws the bad interception, and it just felt like at that point, it was it, like you said, it was a matter of time. And even when it, 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 it felt like the Saints were winning long before they scored the touchdown, the deck yep. actually put them ahead. Um, but, you know, it was – it was uh, it was impressive. I mean, the 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 Cravon LeBlanc, however the hell you pronounce his name, Cravion uh, LeBlanc, something with the it, with the full extension interception. It was sort of that uh oh moment, and then all these things were going out, and then it, it you know the the Drew Brees did not look like Drew Brees for a lot of this game. A lot of weak throws. Missed opportunities. You what, you know it, uh, I mean, I, I saw you put up a tweet about it. And it, it, the one thing when I saw your tweet that it kind of reminded me of was when we saw Cam Newton. Like, you know, these balls are usually better. They're usually crisper. Even the balls to Michael Thomas, a little high, a little fluttery. It, it, you know, I mean, look, and, you know, Drew Brees at his age, he's probably not 100%, but it kind of looked a little evident. I tell you, well, I, the, the throw where it was obvious, like, was the most clear is that one he missed to Taysom Hill. Because uh, and, and and this is this is the world of unbridled enthusiasm we live in with Baker Mayfield. My immediate th- thought was Baker Mayfield would score that easily, um, and that's you know th- that's a great situation to be in. Uh, but that's how uncharacteristic that throw was, and it wasn't the first one where Drew Brees was just off, whether it was weak and short or whatever. But something seems up with it. Uh, fortunately for them, the combination. Of Michael Thomas, who was fantastic, and then Alvin Kamara were problematic, and, and Mark Ingram was sort of the, you know, the thing that sort of knocked the knocked the game over for them. But you know, the Saints looked great. I thought they would be far more dominant at home. I'm surprised it needed to go like it, it did. But uh, that'll be interesting when uh, you know they 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 have to rematch the Rams because the last time they had it, the Saints absolutely dominated. Uh, but there were enough questions where you're sitting there going, "Yeah, we'll see." And obviously, you know, there's no there's no no chance that Sheldon Rankins is going to be back the rest of the playoffs. So that's a huge loss because he was the guy who would frustrate uh, their interior for golf. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, it's great now that you have three cor- three corners that you, you you're happy with. Obviously, with Lattimore, obviously with Apple, and of course with. Um, you know, uh, PJ Williams with a couple of big plays today, but if you're not gonna rattle Goff from the interior, you know maybe they find some way to do it. Maybe some, you know, Cam Jordan takes some more reps inside, something of that nature. But you took away what was your biggest chip in giving Jared Goff a difficult time. Um, like you said, Kamara with a couple of big runs. Obviously, you know, Mark Ingram with a huge, huge run. Um, Michael Thomas, and for the guys who were hitting me with the tweets today. Uh, you know, oh, well, this is maybe the Browns with number one wide receiver. Guys, I've said I would draft a wide receiver in the second round. Michael Thomas went in the second round. So, sure, if we can get a Michael Thomas with that round two pick, guys, sign me up. But I'm still not going to waver away from the, I would rather a Sheldon Rankins. I would rather a Fletcher Cox. I would rather an Aaron Donald. That is what this team needs more right now. Larry Ogunjobi, as fantastic as he is, he needs a running mate. So, guys, I'm not poo-pooing on getting a wide receiver. 
but there's bigger needs with this franchise first. Well, he almost Michael Thomas almost had 200 yards receiving, and the game was in doubt. Yep. I mean, that's you know, again, it's not nobody's against the idea of having a great wide receiver. It's just what are you giving up to get it? Uh, and, and if you're saying, uh, I you know, you'd rather have a, a a fantastic wide receiver than a stud defensive lineman, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna laugh as they take the defensive lineman because if you watch these playoffs. That's what's getting it done. It's pressure. It's, it's making the opposing quarterback uncomfortable. It's being able to make plays and take that away. Every game that was defined this weekend by pressure. The Patriots never faced any, really. Uh, Phillip Rivers was never comfortable all day. Dak Prescott had, had issues with it. Jared Goff had issues with it. Drew Brees had issues with it. That being able to protect your quarterback and affect theirs, that's where you're going to win games. It's nice to have receivers, but Michael Thomas on his own needed that much, that many that many catches, that much yardage to be able to get them basically up by six. Okay, guys. So there's there's our spiel on that one, guys. Um, so we've given you our playoff breakdown for the weekend. Obviously, looking forward to Championship Sunday next week. Um, you know, you'll have the uh, three o'clock start, the six thirty start, as we start to get ourselves primed for, you know, the Super Bowl start of you know six thirty. Uh, huge, huge news today. Uh, obviously, look, guys. We know Stump Mitchell, uh, James Campen. Uh, you know, I, it's maybe about two hours ago that that, that w- word came out. And he has agreed to come on over as associate head coach and the offensive line coach. Pete dropped the bomb as we were about a minute or two here in the recording. Uh, Todd Munkin, your new offensive coordinator. Um, if you guys are following or reading on Twitter, uh, you know there's a lot of similarities between Freddie and Todd Munkin. So I mean, a lot of this just seems like it's almost too good to be perfect. Uh, look, I mean, guess there's there's gonna be there's gonna be days where it doesn't work out so great. But what is going on right now? And the one thing me and Pete kept telling you is the talent at every positional group was going to make these hires easy. And it was going to return some names that, you know, you guys aren't expected. You guys aren't, you know, you guys haven't expected to be able to return, you know, uh, coaches of this ilk. But this is going to be the norm here now. And, you know, as we keep saying, these guys are going to flock here. Why? Because if you want to go on to that next gig, Cleveland might be that springboard, as odd as it sounds. And maybe it's only known between us Browns listeners. And look, I mean, the national media and pundits, whatever, let them still get their freaking jokes off. They're going to sound like idiots next year in January when they try to talk about the Browns and nobody in the building is going to talk with them or they're not going to get any information, but that's fine. Let them have their day. But Pete, uh, you know, obviously some big hires here over the last you know 36 hours here and a staff for Freddie Kitchens that's starting to look pretty darn good. Right, and right now with uh, the news that came out, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of plaudits coming the Browns' way from various national media and all that. Pete Prisco saying, you know, he expects the Browns to be in the playoffs next year. All these people saying, you know, they've got a really good staff. Um, you know, and, and that's the other part of this. With these hires comes more pressure. And I don't think anybody's uh, doubting that. I don't think that's – I think that was the case the second Freddie was hired anyway, that the expectation is to make the playoffs next year. Uh, these only reinforce that. But – uh, part of the deal with coaching jobs is you want to go somewhere that's going to help you. Not to mention losing sucks. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can get you paid want... anywhere. You can get paid anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of jobs out there, but in terms of making yourself your career look better, your job prospects look better, and all of those things, you want to go where a place is going to have success. And right now, the Browns are a great spot to go get better as a coach and go sell yourself 
the thought process was if, if Freddie Kitchens wasn't the head coach, it would make sense for him to stick around only because at that point he'd basically be able to pick the job he wants. Todd Munkin is thinking the same thing as is Steve Wilkes, whether, you know, the timeline of those decisions, who knows, but this becomes a situation where when Mike Tomlin is fired 20 minutes or so from now, uh, when, you know, the Bengals are onto their next coach, when the Ravens are onto their next coach, because there's going to be so much change in the division that all of a sudden these three teams are going to be looking at the Browns coaching staff going, wait, who can we get off there that can help us win? That's welcome to that world where it's not trying to get a Ravens assistant. It's not trying to get a Bengals assistant. It's not trying to get a Steelers assistant. It's going to be those teams trying to get Browns assistants. And that's an adjustment for people, but that's, you know, the hope here is even though you're going to have that turnover that you're going to be able to find a, keep the talent in the building and B keep churning in guys who can coach and, and, and make things happen. And you know, that's, it's not ideal that you have guys coming and going, uh, you know, and, and I think Alabama fell for some of that this year, but that's sort of how this goes. You're, you're always going to be, uh, have guys who are trying to, to try to move up the ladder. And, and now the Browns are, are, are a hot spot to do that. Yeah. I mean, guys, it's, uh, you know, I mean, if anybody remembers the Jeffersons with George and Wheezy, you're moving on up guys, moving on up to the deluxe apartment in the sky. Locked on Browns, guys. It's been your weekend wrap-up. Uh, you know, obviously we got to Stump Mitchell, we got to James Campen. Uh, you know, people was able to jump in here and uh, you know, search on Twitter and be able to find out. You know, Todd Munkin uh, going to be a part of this Browns party as well. And guys, it's just, I mean, you can, if your expectations were great when the season ended, and you know, obviously then you know a, a, a big exodus of the coaching staff. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, name head coach. Guys, you got to be even more excited right now. It, there's just no way around it. It just continues to get better and better. The overall product, the overall you know perception of this team, um, where this team should be going. I mean, the goals are just getting you know notched higher and higher of what you're hoping for this team to achieve in the next few seasons. This has been Locked On Browns, guys. iTunes ratings, reviews. We always appreciate them. Uh, anything you need from the Locked On NFL Network, Instagram, Twitter. Follow the main pages there. They funnel out a bunch of great information. Alexa Surrey. They always got you guys. Whatever you need, ask them to play Locked On Browns. Whether it's Alexa, whether it's Surrey, they'll fire it up for you. Read all of Pete Smith's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Pete's obviously in a full offseason mode here. Uh, you know, Senior Bowl, you know, draft prospects, free agent stuff. Going to get into all of that as we continue to move on here through this month of January, February, March, April. All stuff we're you know get into even more and be even more excited about as we do it. Um, I just want to thank everybody for the support here. Uh, you know, January is looking to be another ass-kicking month here on the show. Um, I was a little nervous about how it was going to work out here with the offseason. But obviously the Browns are not disappointing us in any way. Uh, everybody in Berea is full on board, working nonstop, and trying to put together the best they can for this team to be best suited when they take the field again in September when it all counts for real. As we always say when we close off, Locked On Browns, guys. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.